Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness podcast. Today's episode is titled, When Your Evidence is Not Valued. It's great when you know the judge is listening intently to what you have to say, clearly preferring your evidence over that of others. You can leave the court that day feeling sure that you have done a good job and that the child you have been working with will likely be provided with the care they deserve throughout their minority. It's a wonderful feeling and one that leaves you with positive memories. But as you know, it does not always work out like that. Sometimes, despite all your hard work, you are up against a parent or other professionals and the judge who do not see it your way. We all have cases like that, where in spite of the evidence you have witnessed with your own eyes, you are unable to prove anything like the satisfaction, prove to anything like the satisfaction of the court that your evidence should be preferred over that of others. Of course, it does not help if the parent is an accomplished practitioner in disguised compliance and has been able to successfully pull the wool over both the eyes of the guardian and the independent social worker. In cases such as this, the chances of you being able to persuade the judge that your evidence should be valid over the evidence of others is very slim. The only chance of you being able to turn the case around is if you have evidence from other professionals, preferably an expert, strongly supporting your evidence and conclusions. In the absence of this other evidence, you can pretty much expect that the evidence you you give will be deemed less valuable than the evidence from the experts. This was an experience I had to cope with when I I was a social worker for a three-year-old child some years ago. The child had been removed from the mother due due to neglect and placed in foster care for over a year. During that period, the child had made clear progress in her in her development and was thriving in the care of her, of her foster carer. However, for reasons I am not aware of, as it was not as it was prior to my involvement, she had not been placed for adoption, and her mother applied to the court to revoke the care order and return her her daughter to her care. During the course course of the court proceedings, the mother was assessed by an independent social worker who considered that the mother had made sufficient change to her parenting capacity to enable her to adequately care for her daughter. The views of the independent social worker were supported by the children's guardian, and both were impressed impressed by what they perceived as the mother's progress. As I write this, I am conscious of the fact that we can all be deceived by people who who are cunning and know how to present themselves well. This mother knew not just exactly what to say, but when and and how to say it. She definitely had the knack of knowing precisely how to behave in order to be believable or convincing. Sometimes you are able to to observe this from young people who have spent much time in the care system in the company of professionals and become very savvy. This mother had become adept at knowing the right words and phrases to use that fostered trust and resulted in placing a professional's mind at ease, alleviating their anxiety and influencing them to believe that a vulnerable child was no longer unsafe in their care. Yet it was apparent to me, maybe because I had the privilege of not only seeing her more regularly, but monitoring the responses of others who were involved with her 
that I knew that despite whatever she said, that she could not be trusted. The more I learned about her, the more I knew that whatever I saw on the surface was only what she wanted me to see, and certainly not the whole picture. I knew this because of the, of the accounts I received from talking with different family support workers, staff members or wardens of the housing organisation responsible for the property she lived in, as well as my discussions with foster carers who had worked with her. All of the communication I, I gained led me to seriously question her honesty and willingness to working in a transparent manner with professionals. In each case, the information gathered from professionals was totally denied by her, and a completely new and different version of events was offered in, in its place. What became increasingly clear was that if she no longer considered she needed you, she no longer found it necessary to be pleasant to you in any way. Consequently, she behaved in a contemptuous manner to a couple of the people I contacted. Although I did not f fully appreciate the significance of it at the time, on reflection, she left a trail of devastation in her, w in her wake. She was, in fact, a very dangerous young woman. I discovered that a mother who presented to be in complete harmony with her when her daughter was present was actually terrified of her. Although I had gained a lot of useful information about her, I wasn't able to put it to good use. For example, I was informed about an incident in which the mother I was concerned with was babysitting for the child of another. But whilst babysitting this other child, the child had apparently wandered out of the home late at night and narrowly missed being run over due to her babysitter being intoxicated and unconscious. My efforts, however, to get the mother of the child who wandered out of the home to come forward to write a statement were not fruitful. So, during the hearing, I was cross-examined at length. I told those cross-examining me that, in my professional opinion, that there were serious concerns about her ability to provide consistently appropriate care for her daughter, and that there was, that there was also concerns about her ability to be open and honest with professionals. However, my concerns were not seen as valid. I was asked how I reconciled or explained the fact that the independent social worker and guardian had both independently come to the conclusion that the mother could, could meet her daughter's needs and that neither expressed any concerns about her willingness to work transparently and constructively with them. I explained that I'd had the benefit of talking with a number of people who had been involved with the mother over numerous months and that the information I had gained from these various sources provided a very wiring picture of her capacity to meet her daughter's needs currently and in the longer term. I went on to explain that from what I could see from the reports of the experts, they had not met with most of these people, and if they had, they discounted their concerns. My evidence, though, was not well received, because no one other than myself valued the evidence I presented. The judge was not unpleasant or overly critical, but it was apparent that she was not impressed with my assessment and conclusion by the things she said in response to the evidence I gave. Nothing I said had the slightest impact on the experts or the judge's belief that the child should be returned to the care of her mother. In short, 
they considered that there was little or no risk in the child being returned to the mother's care. I didn't leave the court following given my evidence with a pleasant taste in my mouth. I knew they had made the mistake, but there was nothing I could do about it. This poor little girl had left her mother's neglectful parenting and emotional abuse. She had then been placed for place for about a year with a foster carer who met her needs well and was thriving, only to be returned back to her mother's abusive and neglectful care. Returning back to a much poorer level of neglectful and abusive care must have been so traumatic and distressing for this child. I remember bumping into the mother's legal legal representative at court on another case some months later. He asked, how is she doing? Not very well, I replied. It was several months later after I had left that local authority that I heard that the child had once again been removed from the mother's care due to the same concerns that had existed when she was first removed. It came as no surprise to me, as I knew it was only a matter of time before this parent, who was very sure of herself, messed up again, resulting in a referral to the authorities. There was, from my point of view, a huge sigh of relief that the child had been removed from a parent who was clearly unable to care for her. What I learned from the events of the case were the following. Judges, number one, judges are only as good as the evidence in front of them and that they choose to value or prefer. Number two, in some cases, regardless of your efforts, the case will not go your way. All you can do is do your best. And number three, it's important to say what you believe is is in the best interest of the child, irrespective of what anyone else thinks. You may be the only witness who is able to provide the evidence the judge needs to hear. At times it is lonely when you stand on your own against others, but you have to believe in yourself. When you have given the evidence to the best of your ability, your job is done. The rest is up to the legal representatives and the judge. Until next time. Thank you.